New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting process-oriented psychotherapist David Bedrick. He's the author of You Can't Judge a Body by Its Cover, 17 Women's Stories of Hunger, Body Shame, and Redemption. I'm speaking with David at his home by remote connection. Welcome, David, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Great to be with you, Justine. Thank you. It's great to be with you, too. I know that the way that you approach body image with your clients, it's not a pathology. It's not like doing surgery and you're just going to cut something out and saying, okay, she's not going to do this anymore and she's going to decide to eat well and so forth and so on. You handle it more in a tapping into the intelligence of the body and understanding how it is protecting itself or doing something that is actually beneficial, even though it may not be healthy. Yes. Can you help us understand that way of working? Yes. Shame and objectification, which are really together, objectification, shames, cast a spell on people. And the spell is like this, Justine. It says, you will look at all the difficulties you have and try to think of what, how to correct yourself, what you're doing wrong, and what's wrong with you. And then you will not know that I cast that spell. You'll just think that's intelligent. You'll think, well, why am I doing this? I shouldn't be doing this. How do I stop doing this? How come I don't have discipline? What am I doing wrong? When did I learn to do it all wrong? You'll ask questions like that, and those questions objectify. They say there's something wrong with you. You're an object to be corrected. And they don't say, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what your story is. I wonder what you're really hungry for. I wonder what your body is trying to be, if it's trying to be bigger. Are you a bigger woman than that? I wonder what kind of internalized processes you have that you're resisting, that you're fighting with. I don't ask any of those questions. Shame rules the day, and it just says, well, let's make a program. And it eliminates all those things, all those deeper questions, which humanize, subjectify rather than objectify you. I remember, David, there was someone who said, I don't matter. I could just disappear and it wouldn't matter. And I was struck by your question of her because you asked her something like, what does it mean to not matter? Mm-hmm. I mean, instead of saying, oh, yes, you matter and, you know, really encourage her and soothe her and mm-hmm. be a good daddy to her, so to speak. Yeah. But you were going for something else and you asked that question taking her very seriously in some ways. That's right. You're saying something so important, the essential part of what I'm doing, which is to say what a person brings forward oughtn't be looked at only as a negative thing. It ought to be understood and cared about. And then people will 
will give you their experience if you subjectify, then people will tell you an experience. If a person says, I feel like I don't matter, then I want to say, what's it like to not matter? Because I'm interested in the experience. And in that experience is going to be deep intelligence. In that woman's experience, she had a childhood story to tell about a mother who was very difficult with her, physically very difficult, abusive, but also she had gained weight and she was about to go to school one day and her pants split. And her mother said, I don't remember the exact words, too bad, that's what you get. You'll have to go to school like that. Now, the humiliation that she had was so potent. And you can imagine that. She had that many different times. There was a deep pain in that experience, in that way of thinking about herself and having to go out into the world and having criticism like that in the family. When she went into that experience about not mattering, she said, it was a deep pain. And I said, tell me about that pain. She said, I don't know if I would exist without that pain. I don't know who I am outside of that. That already moves my heart. Our hearts are moved compassionately, not correctively. You should diet. But my hearts are moved. That already makes a better atmosphere, a loving atmosphere. And then when I asked her more about what it's like to be in that pain, she said, I want to go into a really small place. And I said, go ahead. Imagine you can go into a small place. She said, I'm actually like in a cocoon. It's blue and soft, she described it as. And I said, what's it like being in there? And she said, I really fit perfectly here. Wow. Two things I learned from that. One is for a woman who's walking around feeling like she doesn't fit into clothes and places and plane seats and other stories that she told me, to find a place that she fits inside of herself is no small matter. It's a huge matter. And the other thing is her body was larger partly as a way of coping with the pain she's in. She built a cocoon. She built a cocoon of a body. And as we've talked before, if I try to help her lose weight without caring for that story, how do I help her cocoon herself? How do I help her live inside of herself in a way she feels like she fits in herself in the world just right? She's hungry for that. We need to help her with that. Otherwise, we objectify, you should lose weight, and we forget that there's a person living a story that wants to be known and known to herself, too. So, in other words, you're not bypassing the issue by going for a solution of how she could be smaller in her body, but but you're doing, I think you call it radical belief, and when you work with people, I believe you would describe it like when they first come to you, you would say, I am going to believe you. Tell me your story. I'm here. I will believe your story. We rarely get that in our lives, David. Rarely. To have someone say, I'm just going to witness you in the deepest way possible. That's right. That's right. The belief, I believe what you're doing has meaning, has intelligence, is, is not something wrong with you. I was talking to a woman, and she wanted to stop eating hamburgers. Hamburgers were her food that she wanted to eat all the time, that she ate too many of. And if she could stop that, she would be the size and shape that she wanted. That was her belief system, and and, and a good one. And I said to her, 
What do you do? What is the program you put yourself on? Well, I try not to have the bun when I go to get my hamburgers. I try not to have the cheese. I try not to put these extra things on it. So I just have the meat patty. So she has a diet program. Skim down this hamburger thing. So I said to her, I'm going to be your diet program. I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't have the bun. You shouldn't have the cheese. And I want you to argue for the hamburger as you would love it. Why? Because the hamburger wins. She eats the hamburger anyway. Because what happens when she doesn't eat the hamburger the way she wants it during the day? She goes out at night and gets one that she really wants. Right? <laughs> so I said to her, can't you live without the bun? She says, the bun makes a perfect round sandwich. You don't understand, David. You need the bun. I said, well, what about the cheese? It's not even a hamburger if it doesn't have cheese on it, she says with a glee, right? I said, well, what about the mayonnaise? She liked mayonnaise. The mayonnaise mixes with the ketchup and it blends to be this perfect sauce. And I'm being her diet program, trying to get her to eliminate each thing. And I said, can't you eliminate anything? And she said, I don't get to have anything just the way I want it exactly the way I want it. I'm always accommodating every little thing until I end up with a little nothing, until I end up with a hamburger patty of a life without any of the things that I really want. That was amazing. I talked to her. Her, She did want to lose weight, and her diet program, if you could call it that, first was about accommodating less in her marriage and with her family and doing things that she wanted to do more. Simple things that you wouldn't think of. I wanted to eat this meal. I wanted to paint a certain color in a room. How about if I don't give that up? Who would think painting a color is a diet program? But if you understand her as an accommodating person who goes one place where she doesn't accommodate to the hamburger. And I think, David, you suggested to her to spend some time just eating all the hamburgers she wanted. It's not a forever thing, but rather than resist it. And and then something did shift in her when yeah. she just kind of gave into it. I'm not sure you would say that to everyone, but yeah. in her case, how did that work out? Yeah, she said, I'm starting to lose my interest in hamburgers the more I get them the way I want. And then she wanted to paint some different in the house, and then she wanted to go back to school she was a, a woman who hadn't lived some of her career life who wanted to. And as she did that, the hungers for hamburgers started diminishing because she started getting more of what she wanted and breaking herself down into smaller pieces, um, less so. Yeah. yeah. Meaning the intelligence of this simple thing of a hamburger, but how perfect, because it, for somebody else, it could be a potato chip or an ice cream, but for her, it's something that you can eliminate one thing after another, after another, after another. You could accommodate yourself down to a patty. And with a potato chip, you can't really accommodate <laughs> yourself down to a patty. So she picked the perfect food in a way. I could try to make it smaller and smaller, but actually I want it all. Wonderful. There are 17 stories in this book. They're all magnificent, and they're all very, very different. It's not a formulaic sort of thing. We get to watch the way you work with each person and kind of keen off of their body intelligence and what they're going through. And you end the book with a very special story that's a little bit different from all the others, and it's with Keisha. Yes. I would love for you to share something about dear Keisha. Keisha is an African-American woman. Some would say has a large, round body. But Keisha was different from the other people because when I started to talk to her and look for the place she was wrestling, it didn't take She'd say, no, that's not really a problem. No, that's not really a thing. Or I would say something and she would 
wash over that and go back to something else. And she would talk about how she walked through the world. She was, a, I think, a, a principal, vice principal at a school, and she taught dance and celebrated herself. She says, I'm a large woman. I'm a sexual woman. I'm out in the world. I wear clothes that don't hide myself, that bring myself out. And she had a kind of, an, not a kind of, but a pride and a self-celebration that was the word I remember using that she thought was exactly right. She celebrated herself. And I realized, okay, David, you're not going to be able to help her find out something that you can help her with exactly. She's teaching you, every woman taught me. But she was teaching me. So I asked her, what would you have to teach? What would you tell a woman who says, I want to lose weight? And she said, I would tell them, celebrate yourself as you are. And she had this beautiful message and way of describing that. And I said, what about if I was a woman who said, I can't celebrate myself the way I am. I would love to go out and buy new clothes and celebrate myself. Because she mentioned going out and getting clothes. And I said, but this, let's imagine a woman would say, I need to lose weight before I buy clothes. She said, no, I would take that woman by the hand. I take her to a shop. I say, you have to buy what you want, as colorful as you want, exactly what you want first. You have to celebrate who you are all the way out. Get over that. And she had that sort of strong message of don't think that way. Don't shrink yourself. Don't accommodate to a culture that says you should be thin as a woman, sexism, or as a woman of color, the racism and sexism. Don't accommodate that. Celebrate yourself. I wish I could echo her because she did it so well. I can imagine wanting to be around her as a teacher and just soaking in her sense of the celebration of the larger body. You know, David, that reminds me of a moment in my life because I'm a large woman and I um, went by a shop and I noticed in the window these wonderful clothes. They really appealed to me. And at that time, this was like maybe more than three decades ago, as a large woman, my choices in clothing were like Lane Bryant in their polyester and just, oh. And my eye was attracted to this, so I decided to walk into the shop. And the owner of the shop, Chuck, was there. And I walked in and I said, I loved what's in the windows, but I, I understand you aren't going to have anything in this shop that's my size. Mm -hmm. And Chuck said to me, it was a pivotal moment in my life, he said to me, everything in this shop is your size. Oh, my gosh. It changed my life. <laughs> and, you know, I was able to dress more flamboyantly and go out in the world in a different way. It was so great. Huge, huge thing to get out of the whole mindset of what am I doing? What's my psychological problem? What's my physical problem? What's my discipline problem? To get out of that whole mindset and move into a, this is life is about celebrating, like you said. And what a beautiful story you just told, Justine. How valuable it is to have even one person who doesn't buy into and echo the same thing we have in our heads that many people also offer and see it differently. It can make a difference, just like you said, in a person's life. If one parent of a child says, those people are 100% wrong. It's not because you have to get over it. It's not because you need a thicker skin. It's not because they're really a little bit truth. No, absolute no, I won't stand for that. That can soak into a person for their lives. 
Exactly. Exactly. Oh, David, I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. We've run out of time, but I know we'll have more conversations in the future. I've been speaking with process-oriented psychotherapist David Bedrick, and he's the author of You Can't Judge a Body by Its Cover, 17 Women's Stories of Hunger, Body Shame, and Redemption. And I've been speaking with David at his home by remote connection. If you'd like to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, davidbedrick.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.